and keep our eyes fixed and stayed upon him. In Hebrews chapter number 11, the book starts off really highlighting individual uh, uh, people in the word of God and highlighting their faith. When I get to the verse we're going to look at here this morning, and really we're only going to look at a couple words this morning, and then we're going to turn to Judges chapter 2, I see Hebrews. How many of you like fireworks? Fireworks people? How many of you hate fireworks? How many of you can take them or leave them? Some of you, how many of you are asleep and you're not going to raise your hand? You're just tired. Just leave me alone, preacher. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get my nap in here. <laughs> you got half the fireworks. They start off one. Oh, it's beautiful. You see another one? Beautiful. When you look at Hebrews 11, we, we see the, the faith of the characters that start off, you know. And then it's as if we get to verse number 32, which we're going to look at today. How many of you like the grand finale, you know? The grand finale, it's just like boom, 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 boom. And it's almost as if the writer of Hebrews 11 is going to finish, but he says, but wait, I don't have time to tell you about, and he just lists up names. And that's our verse. We're going to look at 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and of the prophets. And then he's going to reference others, and we'll look at that in the future. I want to take apart the grand finale. <laughs> and I want to look at these individuals. Sometimes we're not that familiar with Gideon, Barak, Jephthah. Of course, we know about David, and we probably know more maybe about Samuel. And so really, this morning, I want to look at Gideon. And I want you to turn to Judges chapter 2. You should be there already by way of introduction. And really, that's more of an introduction to the book of Judges. Some of these individuals that believed God, uh, we find their story in the book of Judges. And uh, the book of Judges is a collection of stories about the history of Israel after the death of Joshua and before Samuel. And the Bible describes this time, Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse number 10, I want you just to look a little bit at the time in which uh, they were living. Verse 10 of Judges 2. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Isn't it interesting how generations rise up, some serve the Lord, and then generations rise up that know not the Lord, and nations rise up. And leaders of nations try to tell those people that live in those nations that their nation's not a Christian nation. Interesting. Very interesting. And the children of Israel, verse 11, did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. God's people got swept up in the worldliness, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against them, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them, sold them into the hands of the enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. We have a little bit of a summary, and really, judges, you'll see, a cycle of individuals, they serve the Lord, and then they turn their back on the Lord, and, and God allows judgment to come into their life, and then God raises someone up, and, and then they, that guy dies, and then, and then they get away from the Lord. And uh, 
Judges chapter 6, verse number 11, God calls a man named Gideon, a servant, his servant, to be a deliverer. Judges 6, verse number 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Orphrah, that pertaining unto Joash, the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I'm going to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, really, The Focus of Faith. And uh, I want to give you three thoughts this morning. I'm going to give it to you right away out of the gate. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at them. I want us to see this morning, number one, that faith gets your focus off of the condition of the day. We have a tendency to say things are just too hard. God's not able to work. We'll look at that. Number two, I want us to see this morning that faith gets your focus off of the limitation of your flesh. Number three, we all have weaknesses. We all look at sometimes can get overwhelmed with a worldliness in which we live in. Number three, I want us to see this. Faith gets your focus off of the difficulty of the assignment that you're given. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for a host of human beings back in the day that faced challenges, that believed you through those challenges, and that you used to make a difference. Now, Lord, we live in 2023. I know you know that. And we've got challenges in our day. And I'm convinced that you're still looking for men and women of faith that will believe you in spite of the challenges, our limitations, and the largeness of the assignment before us. Lord, would you speak to hearts. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning that does not know for sure their sins are forgiven, they're on their way to heaven, would today be the day they trust you as Savior? Glorify yourself, Lord, I need you. I yield myself to you and pray that you would use me as your servant. Lord, without you, we're nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I want us to see this. As we look at Judges chapter number six, we're going to begin verse number one. We're going to look at it. I want you to see this. Faith gets our focus off of the condition of the day, the condition in which God called Gideon. The Bible says in verse number one of Judges 6, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves in strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for the multitude, for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Verse 6, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto 
the Lord. When we come to the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6, the Israelites were worshiping Baal. They were not worshiping God. They were worshiping Baal, and they were oppressed by the Midianites. The oppression was so bad that the Israelites would live in caves to avoid the Midianites. The Midianites would they'd plant crops, and the Midianites and the Malachites would come in, and they'd either steal those crops or they would destroy their crops. By the way, that's why when God called Gideon, he was hiding in the winepress, the Bible says there, because he was hiding what he was doing, uh, obviously, from the Midianites and the Amalekites. Uh, Gideon uh, was called of God in a time when the condition was bad. As a matter of fact, it's so bad. Look at verse number 12, what Gideon says. When God comes to Gideon and wants to use Gideon, Gideon says this, verse number 12 and 13. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And how the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What's he saying? I don't know about this, God. I don't know about this. Look at how bad the condition is in our day. God wants to use Gideon to be an agent of change in the day when the condition was bad. You know, when we look at the Word of God, we look all through the pages of Scripture, and we look at the men and women that God used. God used men and women to make a difference when the day was dark. God used men and women to make a difference when the spiritual condition was often bad. Think about this. The disciples got the commission from the Lord, and they went out and took the truth, and they preached the gospel, and the authorities didn't like it, and they arrested them. And they put him in prison. And they said, you're not allowed to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. Hey, it wasn't. We have more liberty, by the way, than they did. And yet the sad tragedy of it is we have more liberty than most of the individuals here in the word of God. And we do not take advantage of the liberty that we have to share the good news with Jesus. I wonder what a difference. Can you imagine if the disciples lived in the United States of America with the power of God on them? What kind of a difference they would make? They didn't live in day when people were readily accepting the word of God. Stephen, the deacon, was uh, uh, got on fire for the Lord, and he decided he's going to go preach, and he preaches, and he's stoned to death. He's killed for preaching truth. Paul faced challenges with Nero, and Christians being burned at the stake. I, I tell you this, the day is, look, 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 the devil has always been trying to thwart the work of God. The devil's always trying to do what he can to hinder people and to hinder the work of the Lord. And sometimes we can, even in 2023, we can listen to the news, you can listen to the podcast, you can talk to fellow people, fellow co-workers, and, and you say, boy, the day is dark. Boy, people are hard. Oh, boy, the enemy is, is, seems to be winning. We have an election and it seems like everything, what happened? Everything goes the wrong way. Oh, we're, 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 we're facing laws of the land that are more and more laws that are going against the law of the word of God. It's only going to wax worse and worse. And yet sometimes we can find ourselves thinking, you know, this, the condition's too bad for God to work. 
People are too hard. I tell you what I've been burdened about. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to try to stay on track here. But I've been burdened about Christians and our apathy. I've been burdened about Christians and our, look, God wants to use us to change the world. Why is it that we're letting the world change us? Why is it that we're so readily conforming? You say, what do you mean? Christian individuals that listen to the music of the world, and it's no different from, from uh, 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 no difference at all from uh, saved to unsaved music. Hey, look at the way a lot of Christians are. I, I, I tell you this, to make a difference, you got to be willing to be different. And I'm not just saying, oh, I'm different than you. No, I'm talking about this. Imagine what God, God says, be holy as I'm holy. Imagine what God, the Lord Jesus Christ, what kind of an impact that he would make. I don't think he'd be dressing and acting and talking like the world, listening to the music of the world, goofing off. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a good time. I think we ought to enjoy life. I think the Christian life should be the most exciting life. But I'll tell you this, what are we doing to make a difference? The world's trying to conform us. As Christian people say, well, this is too bad. God could never send revival. Let's just hang on and pray for the rapture. Is that really what God wants us to do? We ought to wake up every morning and we ought to think, God, what do you want me to do? To make a difference today. You see, God wants us to allow him to use us. Not to allow the condition of the day to cause us to do nothing. God wants us to walk by faith. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither his ear too heavy to hear. What's the problem? Your iniquities have separated you. Gideon lived in some challenging days. And God comes to him and he says, Lord, I feel like you have forsaken us. I feel like the heavens are brass. I feel like nothing is going to happen. By the way, in this particular case, in this particular case, God's people had turned away from God. Do you know whenever we turn away from the Lord, whenever we get away from the Lord, the songwriter said this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Our flesh just has a tendency to wander. Whenever we get away from the Lord, we're going to invite challenges in our lives because God loves us and God wants us to get back to him and wants us to get back to where he can use us. You know, I think sometimes we're hard on Jonah. You ever think about Jonah? Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I'm going to use you there. Jonah goes the opposite direction. God wants to use Jonah to bring revival. And by the way, Jonah knew the character of God. And I think Jonah didn't go, one of the reasons he didn't go there is because he knew God might save them and have mercy on them. And he thought they should die and go to hell. God wants to use every one of us in as great a way as he wanted to use Jonah. You see, boy, I haven't had a divine appointment opportunity to see people saved in a while. That's not God's fault. And sometimes we find ourselves believing the lie that things are too hard, people are too far gone, and we've got to get our eyes on the Lord. 
And God's focusing Gideon, get your eyes off of the situation of the day, and I want you to get your eyes on me. I want us to see secondly, as I think this is a second problem, when you think it was overwhelming, see, well, here, Victory Baptist Church supposed to reach the gospel, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Yes, <clears throat> with God's help. He said, oh, it's impossible. No, it's not. Second issue we have is we begin to focus on our own limitations. So look at what Gideon says to the Lord as we go to verse number 14 and verse 15. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Now what an awesome privilege for Gideon. What an awesome privilege for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of Heaven, to use any one of us. And Gideon says what? Yes, let's go. Wow, this is cool. God's used to use me. This is awesome. Wow. Yeah. No. Gideon responds like, like we do sometimes. Oh, verse 15, my Lord. Where shall I save Israel? Who am I? You talking about me? You got a right person here? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. How could you ever use me? Hold your place here, and let's 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 go to Exodus chapter three and four. Exodus 3 and 4, God has a job for Moses to do. And God says to Moses, I want to deliver my people from Egypt. Moses gives at least four excuses. These are similar excuses to us. I'm just going to highlight the excuses. In Exodus 3 and verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who Am I? Same thing Gideon says. Who am I? You, you, you talking about me? Look at verse number 13, the latter part, the latter, the latter few words. What shall I say unto them? Who am I? What am I going to say to them? How, what am I going to say when I get before Pharaoh? Look at chapter number 4 and verse 10. I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, since thou hast spoken to thy servant. I am a slow of speech and slow tongue. Uh, I'm not sure I am the man that you have uh, picked. I don't think I'm the one. I don't speak too well. I'm slow of speech. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. They'll say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Here's four excuses. Verse 13, he makes a request. O oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. You see, Pastor, what does that mean? Lord, send somebody else. Can you send somebody else? It is an awesome privilege for us to be used of God to do anything to impact people for eternity. And often we're like Gideon. Often we're like Moses. We make up excuses for why we can't people see people saved, for why we can't impact people, for why we can't take a stand at work, for why we can't spend more time in prayer or spend more time reading our Bible. We're full of excuses. 
And God has to get Gideon past his own limitations, his own weaknesses. You don't think God knew that Moses was slow of speech. (laughs) He created him, and that's what he told him. You don't think God knew where Gideon was, his family situation, and God knew all about it. Gideon, I think Gideon's got a lot of fears. He's got some anxiety in his life. Look at chapter 6, and I want you to see what God does. He tries to get his focus off of Gideon. Immediately, he says this in verse 16. I'm back in Judges 6. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He told him in verse 12, The Lord is with him. He tells him again in verse 16, I am with thee. By the way, he told Moses the same thing. Surely I am with thee. Don't look at your own limitations. He told Moses, I am that I am. Look at me. The almighty, omnipotent God of the universe would go with Gideon. Verse 17. Gideon asks for a sign. Gideon wants this thing verified. And the Bible says, for sake of time, we're going to blow through this quickly. (laughs) The angel of God, verse 20, said, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. There rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed. And Gideon's getting a little more confident. And he says, okay, I've seen the angel of the Lord, verse 22, face to face. Then we find Gideon, I think, uh, needing some verification. He goes to God in faith. By the way, let me, well, let's just look at this for a minute here. Look at chapter 6 and verse 36. Let's look at this here fleece thing. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if do be on the fleece only, and it shall be dry on the earth beside, then I shall know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand. Now, he puts the wool on the floor. He says, put, put the dew on the fleece only, and verse 38, and it happens. He rose up early in the morning, thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Verse 39, Gideon says, let not thine anger be hot against me. I'll speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it be dry only upon the fleece, and upon the ground let there be dew. And God did that. Now, let me just say a couple things here. Number one, it is important for us to recognize that, again, what God is trying to do is he's trying to get Gideon's focus off of Gideon and his focus on God and on the will of God. Let's remember, as we look at this particular passage of Scripture, Gideon had a word from God. Gideon had verification from God already. Now, when we determine God's will, I think it's important for us to remember that God shows us his will through his word, through the spirit of God, circumstances is a factor. He's got a word already from God of what he's supposed to do, and he's asking in faith that God would verify this with this fleece situation. Be careful. Let me say this again. Be careful. Let me say this a third time. Be careful just using circumstances to determine the will of the Lord. We often, I've talked to people, well, how did you do that? Well, the circumstances just happened. 
Circum- you know the devil can move our circumstances? And when we solely use circumstances, you know, someone comes in and says, Pastor, would you like a tasty cake? Pure circumstances, the will of the Lord, hallelujah. You can't, you know, you, you can't just use circumstances will play a factor when God has already worked in your heart through the spirit of God that indwells you and through the word of God that communicates to you. By the way, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You've got that aspect of individuals that you know and love that walk with the Lord. Sometimes I, I challenge young people. say, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? I said, let me ask you a question. List the godly people that you know. You list 10, 12, whatever God. Are they doing that? No, not at all. Could it be that there's some kind of an indication that that might not be the best thing for you to be doing? Well, don't we have a tendency to say, well, I'm going to live as close to the world, I'm going to be cool, fit in, as I can. Well, the reality is we ought to say, I want to live as close to God as I can. Gideon's asking for these signs is asking for God to verify what God had already communicated to him. By the way, I love, love the patience of God with Gideon. Because I've been there. Lord, I feel like this is what I should do. Could you? Could you show me again? Could you somehow, I don't want to do the wrong thing. And by the way, we ought to have a, a holy fear from doing the wrong thing. You don't just jump into life and just, I'm just going to jump in and whatever happens, happens. No, we got to uh, recognize that God will lead. By the way, someone asked this question. Does God care if you tie your right shoe before your left shoe? I don't think God does care. I do think if it comes to impacting people for eternity, if there's a way that I can make a difference for eternity, I do think God has a specific will for our lives. He has something that he wants us to do. He has people that he wants us to reach. And we're often our biggest enemy. Do you know that some of the men that were used of God in a great way had the same weaknesses and fears that you do? We already looked at Moses. We look at Gideon. Think with me about Isaiah. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And Isaiah says what? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Think about Peter and the challenges the Lord had with Peter. And by the way, you can see God's mercy and his grace in Peter's life. Listen, God is able to take our little and make much. The songwriter wrote this little hymn. I don't think it's in our hymn book. In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling, tis to the harvest calling you. Little is much when God is in it. This song, I believe, was written based on a little passage where the five loaves and two fish feed the multitudes. Well, there's no food here. Jesus, what are you talking about? Hey, there's a lad. He gave us his lunch. This lad gave us his five loaves and two fish. That's all I need. And God takes those fish and the loaves and he breaks it and he feeds the multitudes. And if we will take our little and we will give it to God, 
God will take it and use us just like he did Gideon to make a difference. But if we focus on the little, I, I don't have enough to serve God. I don't have enough talent to serve God. You, you don't understand. I come from a, a, a family situation where, where my parents were divorced. You don't understand. I have a past. I have a past where I got away from God. You, you see, we make all these excuses why we can't do. I can't talk. and I'm, a, I'm shy. I'm afraid. People, I'm a, what is it, introvert? Oh, introvert. I don't. Hey, there's a million excuses that we could make that Gideon tried to make. And God said, hey, get your focus off of your limitations. The chorus, little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Does the place you're called to labor seem too small and little known? Oh, my, I got this little, just my little neighborhood. It's okay. It is great if God is in it and he'll not forget his own. Look. We cannot limit God because of our limitations. And I'm, by the way, I'm so happy that God puts these things in here about Gideon and Moses because I identify with them. Let me give you a third thought and we'll be finished. Faith gets your focus off of the difficulty of your assignment. Look at chapter number seven. Chapter number seven. Gideon and all the people with him, they rose up early. Uh, verse number two, the Lord says unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand have saved me. All right? So here's what we have in the beginning. We have 135,000 versus 32,000, which means this. Each Israelite soldier only had to kill 4.2 people. Eh, not too bad. I mean, you think about it. Richard probably could get a couple more than four. He's a big boy, right? They lower it. You know, I th I'm assuming won't even know the story. God says, verse 3, Go to the ears of people. Whoever's fearful and afraid, let him return. Imagine that. All right, some of you are afraid. Get out of here. 20 and 2,000. So now it's 135,000 to 10,000. Now it's 13.5 to one. I don't know, Richard, I think you're getting a little nervous about 13.5. as a lot of people. And what does God say? All right, he says, go down to the river, and they're going to drink, and people drink like, let's see here, where's the scripture? It's here, verse 5, he brought them down to the people of the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that lappeth the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth him shall set by himself, everyone that boweth down and drink upon his knee. The bottom line is, they come up with 300. Now, it's the odds, 135,000 versus 300. So now it's 450, Richard, to one. I, I, think, I think we're kind of outnumbered now. Each Israelite had to kill 450 people. And this is not going to, this is like, whoa, this is a big assignment. By the way, not just the assignment, but we're going to defeat them with non-normal means. You know, we think in terms of machine guns, tanks, hand grenades. Not the case. Look at verse 16. He divided them into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand. Aren't you glad you played the trumpet, Brother Talbot? I mean, it's just all throughout the word of God. 
I tell you that. You gotta look hard to find these violins, but these trumpets. Trumpets are all over. <laughs> all right, he gives them a trumpet. They didn't even need to take lessons, did they? An empty pitcher and a lamp. And then they're gonna scream. Kind of non normal. What kind of strategy is that? But you know what? I mean, humanly, you look at this assignment and you think, this is crazy. I want to show you a few verses, what God says. Look at his promises. Verse 7 of Judges 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, look at those next few words, will I save you? The word of God. Look at verse number 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord had said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it. Verse number 11. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. You think about the word of God and what God promised. Back in chapter 6, verse 14, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. God used Gideon because Gideon believed God no matter what. I'm amazed when I read the story of Fanny Crosby. She lost her eyesight to an eye infection and medical ignorance at the age of six weeks. Her father died when she was six months. She was raised by her devout mother and her maternal grandmother. Many in 2023 would have those two situations. They'd be bitter for life and never do anything for God. I am told that Crosby memorized five chapters of the Bible each week from age 10 starting at age 10. By age 15, she had memorized the four Gospels, the Pentateuch, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and many Psalms. She was used of God to write hymns and wrote more than 8,000 hymns. Safe in the arms of Jesus, rescue the perishing. I am thine, O Lord, to God be the glory Blessed assurance are among some of the popular ones that she wrote. We sing her hymns in our services on a regular basis. She's still making a difference, though she died at 94 years of age many years ago. Why? Because Fanny Crosby walked by faith she didn't look around in the day and say man it's too hard conditions just too tough i'm too weak oh the job is too big she said here am i i'm gonna walk by faith and let god use me god wants to use every one of us if you're here this morning and you've never trusted christ as your personal savior jesus died on calvary's cross for your sin He died in your place. If you'll come to him in faith, say, God, I've sinned against you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I'm placing my faith in you. He'll save you. And God will use you to make a difference in 2023. 
Do you know why I think God has led us to Hebrews 11? Because I think planet Earth in 2023, Chester Springs, Downing Town, needs some Gideons. We need people to believe God no matter what. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, our heads are bowed, our eyes.